Welcome to Naked and Afraid, and we're so glad you wore clothes today. It's yes. good to see you. You're fully we clothed. We should have said clothing is not optional. You have to wear clothing through the series. You got to wear clothing yes. through the series. That's yes. right, because we're going to talk about the <laughs> inward side, inside of us, and uh, yeah. we're going to take the next four Sundays, and it's going to be exciting, on spiritual and emotional health. Spiritual and emotional health, as we talk through this, this is a powerful subject, because we understand, and we love this subject. We do. We it's love challenging. It. Yeah. We, we went it's, to a conference of theirs. Yeah. Um, it's based out of the book you were going to say. Um, Emotionally Emotion. Healthy Spirituality. Yeah, um, and we, it, it's a dynamic. Ever since we've read the book and we went to their, their teaching, boy, it's, we just try to keep passing it along. Yeah, it's a constant journey mm -hmm. for all of us mm -hmm. if we allow ourselves to go on it and grow and be teachable throughout the yeah. series that God would get the ultimate glory. So it is right. out of Emotionally Healthy Spirituality mm -hmm. book by Pete Scazzaro. That's a great resource. So today we're going to take a look at exploring your journey. Can you guys yes. say that with me? I'm going to explore my journey. Exploring my journey. Exploring your journey. And so to do that, we're going to take a look at where we've been. And then we're going to take a look at where we're going. And so today we're going to talk a lot about going back to go forward. Yeah, so let's begin, if you will. Will you turn with me in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 50? And it's going to be on the screen. It's uh, there behind us. And so verse 15, Genesis 50, verse 15. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, What if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you're to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and wrongs they've committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. When their message came to him, Joseph wept. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. Verse 19, but Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Now, the key verse 20. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So to summarize that, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. Can somebody say good? Good. good. That's what he's yeah. saying. You know, we were made to experience love. Yeah. We were made to give and to receive love. Yeah. In fact, we are created in God's image, and He is love. Yeah. And so each of us have been placed into a family as babies, as children, to receive that kind of love. You know, we all hunger for stable, um, yeah. deep, and loving relationships. Not having this need met in our lives, yeah. though, can, can leave all kinds of damage. We see in Genesis chapter 3, um, sin enters the world. We see Adam and Eve, our very first parents, they're in the Garden of Eden. They're in paradise, and they're naked. And we know that when they sin against God, what immediately do they do? Well, they immediately become afraid. Yeah. And they realize their nakedness. Yeah. They realize they're vulnerable, and they literally run for cover. And instead of running to God, they run from God, and they try to cover up. Yeah. And they, and they try to hide. You know, they don't want to face their stuff. Why? Because this is vulnerable stuff. And, and then the truth is distorted because why? Because their relationship with God has been broken. Yeah. And so uh, they're afraid. And, and everything has changed. And this is not God's intention. No. 
It's not God's intention. And you see here that this very first family, Cain and Abel, there's jealousy that escalates into murder with brothers killing brother, and it's all because of sin. Interesting, when the Bible talks about family, it refers to our family over three to four generations. That would mean your family would include going back to the mid to late 1800s for some of us. Yeah, you know, we're all affected and shaped by so many events and circumstances yeah. in our life. And, and um, we're going to talk about those throughout the journey and throughout today especially, but then in the next four weeks to come. But the most powerful group that you or I will ever belong to is our mm. family. Yes. Because what happens in one generation often repeats itself in another. And there is an effect that is carried on mm. throughout those generations. I want you to think about this. You know, it's, it's common to see certain patterns repeating from one generation to the next. Yeah. Patterns it's repeating true. in the family, such as addictive behaviors, mm -hmm. such as alcoholism, such as divorce sexual abuse, physical abuse, poor marriages, pregnancy out of wedlock, affairs. Right. These are patterns that oftentimes are repeated. Yeah. And so just to as just kind of put us all at ease today, nobody emerges from their family unscathed. Right. How many of you know that? Yeah. That yeah. without their true. true self in yeah. some way being damaged mm -hmm. without, you know, the wounds and scars. And so when we come to Jesus, and we become a Christ follower. The Bible says we're born into a new family, yeah. right? The family of God. It's his Amen. family. But Amen. many times, even after we come into a relationship with Jesus, we kind of keep recycling and continuing to deal with the same destructive and sinful patterns. How many of you have found that to be true? Right? True. That's true. You keep That's recycling true. that. I found that in my own life. Well, why am I struggling with this again? Right. And it, it, it's something if I track back, I'm like, okay, I've got to deal with the root here. So as we all come into this new mm. family, we bring with it certain unprocessed material that comes yeah. many times from our family of origin. Mm -hmm. It's as if we have this lodged in our brain, a certain way of being, a certain way of doing because of the family we've grown up in. And so when the, we come into the new family of God, right. we have this pull. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Yep. We have this pull that tries to pull us back to our old ways. Right. And um, this pull is so powerful. Because it's shaped us. It's right. made us who we are. It's like a blueprint that's been imprinted on our lives. Right. So in everything we've known about relationships, our feelings, our self-worth, yeah. it's deeply everything. shaped us yeah. through the early years of growing up in our families. Every one of us then has to look, has to look at the brokenness mm -hmm. and sin of his or her family and culture. Yeah. So the problem is that few of us maybe have reflected honestly on the impact of our family yeah. or the major earthquake events. Mm -hmm. Those are events that have shaken us yeah. and that really have shaped our lives. Right. So the good news is, though, in this, the gospel tells us that when you and I come to Jesus, you have a whole new destiny. Amen. Amen? Aren't you glad? That's great news. <laughs> great news. That God has made all things new, and we need to be reminded of that. So when we start new by putting off the sinful patterns of, of what we've known, we start to grow up 
in Christ towards health. That's right. And these patterns are so ingrained in us, aren't they? You know, sometimes we don't even notice them. And quite honestly, sometimes we'd rather not notice them. I remember my my grandma Detler did this thing when she got nervous and she'd she'd kind of do this thing with her lips. And um, we'd kind of make fun of her for it. She'd make a little noise and be like, oh, grandma. And then it kind of just grayed on your nerves (laughs) a little bit. And um, then when my mom got in a certain age, we noticed she started to do it. And, and we were thinking, Mom, oh my goodness, your, your Grandma Detler used to do that too. And, and now, if I'm not careful, I find myself <laughs> doing the same thing with my lips. And you know what? I'm not aware of it most of the time. Right. I'm not aware of it um, because it just, it just happens. This is what exploring your journey is all about. It, it comes, because it, you know what? We can't change things if we don't notice them. We can't change things if we're not aware of them. You know, the biggest obstacle to you becoming emotionally and healthy person is unawareness. That's right. That's your biggest challenge right there. If you're not aware, you can't identify the problem. You can't fix something that you don't know what to fix. And so Mm. throughout this series and today, we're going to go deep. Is that okay with you? We're going to go deep and we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to come along and show us these unhealthy patterns that are often carried over into our new life in Christ, yeah. that we're now inviting him in and saying, Lord, I want to live a better way. Right. And it's, it's coming, as Kristen says, that awareness of recognizing the unhealthy things in our past, becoming vulnerable to expose it, then to deal with it and being transformed to becoming our authentic self in Christ so that we can fulfill God's purposes. Amen. So in many ways, Amen. the longer we walk with God, it becomes more evident of how deeply our past truly has impacted us. It, sure. it is. We want to show you a picture of an iceberg. Um, the sound guys, they're amazing up there. They are going to put this on the screen. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that fascinating? That top 10% of the iceberg that's visible to everyone, hmm. that's the part you and I are aware of. That's the part we see, we know to deal with. That's the part that's visible to us and to everybody else. Yeah, and so it's the 90%, the unseen below the surface that we want to focus on. And it's this 90% that we don't want to address in our lives because why? It's vulnerable. Exactly. Right? It's scary to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. How many of you are with me? Mm -hmm. Really, truly, (laughs) right? It is. It's scary to be vulnerable. Mm But it can be dangerous, and it is dangerous to ignore the 90% below the surface in our lives. So if we don't deal with it, the ship's going to crash. And it's the same in my life and in your life. We need to know and we need to be aware of what happened in our life and how it impacts who we are. And we can't ignore it to live our best life. We can't ignore it. So like it or not, your past is part of your story. It's what makes you, you. Yeah. You know what? We all come to the family of Jesus broken. Mm-hmm. We all come into the family of True. Jesus wounded yeah. because we've been born into a broken world. Yeah. We've been born into imperfect families. And so mm. God's intention through this process is that he would heal us. But, yes. but we want to tell you today is we first must become aware of what needs to change in our life. That's right. What needs to be healed. And we invite them, him, into the beautiful process of transformation. Yeah, it is a process. It is a journey. It, it's, it has to be our journey. It has to be personal to us to receive healing. And so the journey to become a disciple of Christ, it includes honest reflection 
on the positive and negative impacts of our family of origin, as well as the other major influences that we've had in our life. It's right. so digging down beneath the surface, exposing the 90%, this is not easy, mm-hmm. this is hard work. It's hard work. But the extent to which we're willing to go back and understand how our history has shaped us will determine to a large degree our ability to break destructive patterns mm-hmm and grow in our love toward God and other people. That's God's will. It is God's will. On your seats today, you have um, this. It's a genogram of the family. And we wanted just to give you a visual today. Um, If you could imagine yourself kind of smack dab in the middle here, um, and then list your father and your mother um, in those that square and that circle. And then you list your father's parents, and you list your mother's parents. That kind of gives you a visual of what you're looking at in your generations um, of past. Um, Its purpose of the genogram is to become aware of the destructive patterns in your family that can hinder your emotional growth, your spiritual growth. And so what we want you to do is kind of think about your father, think about your mother, think of some tendencies maybe that they had. Think of specifically the unhealthy tendencies that we have because they did as best as they could and then they want us to do even better. So we're growing from them. And then go ahead and do that to the great-grandparents, what you know of them. And, and then we can kind of map it out. You'll start to see, you'll start to see some patterns that you are kind of aware of that you can start to change and say, that's an unhealthy pattern in our life. In a moment, we're going to show you what that means with us. But what happens in one generation often repeats itself in the next. Right. And so when I map this out, I can look at my unhealthy family patterns and I can look at which ones I'm going to break in the name yeah. of Jesus. And I'm not going to allow into the family of God and with the Holy Spirit's uh, help. I'm going to live life Jesus's way. That's right. So it really is kind of like doing a family tree on the genogram. Mm-hmm. You're docu- documenting the negative patterns, yeah. behaviors. It, it could be conflicts, abuse, relationships. Yeah. Also, you can note any earthquake events, which are death that occurred, mm-hmm. abuse, suicide, war, an affair, any large event mm-hmm. that sends shock waves through your family. And we encourage you to do this. It's not to find fault, but really is to get a realistic picture of what are the unhealthy patterns in your history. Mm -hmm. So you can grow and you can heal and you can mature in Christ. That's right. So as Kristen said a moment ago, a number of years ago, we walked through this and we did the genogram. Mm -hmm. Uh, Each of us did it. And finding out the unhealthy patterns is very eye-opening. You didn't really think about it till you start charting it out on paper as you go back and rewind and say, okay, this is what took place, and wow, everything to the best of your knowledge. But looking at it, I think one of the things of of self-discovery, and we said in the first service, one amongst the many, but uh, to share is like, I, I saw even in my dad and my grandfather a workaholic, workaholism that um, I had in a number of years back. I had to deal with that. Kristen was helping me through that as well, our faithful wives that remind us, you know, that, um, hey, you're spending too much time at work and those things, and she knew I needed to do those, but I was, it was at the deficit of our family in our marriage, my marriage, and then our kids, and rewinding back from that, I've learned a lot from that and say, hey, that was not healthy because it was taking away from our family and our marriage. Mm -hmm. And getting us back to health is so important. 
Right, and when I did my genogram, there was so many I could um, could speak to today, but um, I noticed in my family bloodline, there's a history of strong women on both sides, and specifically on my mother's side, I remember... Um, the, the history of women there, um, you didn't cross a Detler woman. You know what I'm saying? Come on, <laughs> girls. And, and, and you know, it, um, I remember hearing my grandma on the phone or hearing my great-grandma and even in the nursing home being as sassy as she could be. And, um, and I saw this, and the Lord opened my eyes to this, this strong woman mentality and then also to um, the, the, the bitterness and the unforgiveness and the grudge-holding that came with it, yeah. that came with it aside of that. So the Holy Spirit showed mm. me that that I have to be careful in this area. And sure. so that temptation, when that comes to me to maybe hold a grudge or be a little unforgiving or not want to let something go, even in our marriage, I mean, this works in the marriage, but it also yeah. works in any relationship I have. I have to be a forgiving person. And so I've had to submit that to the Lord and say, Lord, I know yeah. this in, is in my it's family good. bloodline. I know it's what I know. Mm. It's, I know this is what it's been modeled for me, but Lord, help me follow your plan for my life. Yeah. And so, you know, um, if we didn't discover those unhealthy patterns, and there's many more that the Lord is just so faithful to show us in His time and His way, and I'm sure you'll feel the same way after today. But we can't grow into what God has for us and become all He has for us if we don't start looking at stuff like this. Yeah. If, if we don't start asking the Holy Spirit in, yes. we, there's no way we can be emotionally and spiritually healthy. Right. So the journey is, and the journey we're on today, our story takes us to Genesis 50, what we just read a moment ago about Joseph. Mm -hmm. Joseph is one of 12 brothers, one sister. We're looking at his family going back three generations whose lives bear on his personal development. His great-grandparents, which you know, are Abraham and Sarah. There are lies in their relationship, the Bible tells us. There's sibling rivalry between the kids. There's favoritism, and there's an unhealthy marriage. When you get to his grandparents, Isaac and Rebecca, same thing. You've got lies, sibling rivalry, favoritism, and unhealthy marriage. And we start to see a pattern. When you get to his father, Jacob, there are lies, sibling rivalry, and favoritism. And Jacob now has two wives and two concubines. Lord, help that man. He has his hands full. If we were to genogram this, you would start to see these patterns on paper. So now we're at Joseph. Joseph is born to Rachel. And, and so Joseph is number 11's son, and he's favored by his father Jacob. Yeah. So this favoritism is continuing in the family. And Jacob loves Joseph so much that he makes him a special coat, this special mm -hmm. robe. And um, it's a robe of authority. And so Joseph, being the youngest of the brothers, now was given, given all authority by his father as the favorite kid. And his mm. brothers absolutely hate him for it. Oh, yeah. They are jealous. They are envious. The Bible tells us, top it off. Joseph has dreams. Everybody is to bow down to him. And the brothers just said, you know, hey, that's enough of that. And then Joseph goes through three traumas yeah. as we look at. Some in this room have been through trauma. According to the definition, a trauma is a startling experience in your life that has a lasting effect on your mental health. A synonym for it could also be shock, that it shatters one's sense of safety in the world and it has humongous reverberations through our lives. 
And so we need to know what these are. We need yeah. to recognize them. Right. These earthquake events in Joseph's life, um, these traumas, we know his first one came at the age of 17. When his mm-hmm. brothers hate him so much, he's thrown into a deep well, and then he's sold, sold into slavery. Right. I mean, talk about the, about the ultimate betrayal of family. Another mm-hmm. trauma is that of loss. As soon as he's sold into slavery, he loses everything. He loses yeah. his family. He loses his home. He loses his culture. He right. loses his language. Everything that he's known. I mean, talk about trauma. Yeah, and there's their experience of being in prison mm-hmm. and that. And then, you know, he was there about 13 years. Mm-hmm. And talk about carrying profound, deep yeah. baggage mm-hmm. from your family. And you have to ask yourself the question, how can Joseph go forward and journey through? I mean, right. how do you take these blows and keep yeah. going in life and uh, keep moving life forward? Yeah, so so we know that he spent around 13 years in prison, um, and it took 13 years in prison before this happened. Yeah. The pharaoh, Potiphar, had a dream, and no one can interpret the dream. So Joseph is yeah. then brought before the pharaoh. He interprets the dream correctly. The famine and the blessing comes, and Joseph is then elevated by the pharaoh to the number two position in the superpower nation of Egypt, but it took 13 years in prison to get to that point. He's put in charge of Egypt over the food and the administration at the age of 30. He he has that. And then when famine breaks out, not just in Egypt, but in all the surrounding areas, his family now is living in a different country. Like everyone else, they're starving and they come to Joseph for food. And so you got to understand 22 years now has gone by. Joseph is physically unrecognizable to them. And that's a long time to go without seeing your family. Yeah. And, you know, Joseph had a lot of power. He could have, hey, Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, ordered them to be killed, put them in jail. He could have had a major attitude towards them. Mm -hmm. But we see Joseph go back so that he can go forward. There are three practical applications we want to talk about in Joseph's life on exploring your journey today. And the first application is this, recognizing the iceberg in you from your family. Recognize it. Recognizing the iceberg in you from your family. Now, it's really easy to ignore this iceberg. Mm-hmm. It's really easy to underestimate this iceberg in our life. Why? Because it's uncomfortable. It is. Because we'd rather not talk about it. It's painful. It's, it's vulnerable. It means that I'm going to have to change, and it means mm-hmm. I'm going to have to face some junk that maybe I haven't, that I've been getting away with, but God is saying, no, it's time to deal with this. Yeah. We're not going to keep letting you get away with this. Because why? Because God loves us so much. He doesn't, he loves us too much to keep us the same. Right. And so some questions to start chipping away at the iceberg in your life, because I know this is a lot, is, is maybe just start asking yourself some questions like, okay, how, mm. um, how did my family do conflict growing up? Was, yeah. was that healthy? What did that What did that look like? How did my family deal with their emotions? Yeah. Did Did we talk about it? Did Did could, could it be addressed? Did I feel safe in my home? Was that healthy? How did they handle hurt and pain? Because if I mm. want to become aware of how the generations of my family before handled things, then I need to right. identify those and say, right. "Okay, Holy Spirit, come." I can almost promise you that how your family dealt with things like this, that's how you're going to bend to without, right. without Jesus coming and doing a transformation in your life. Yeah, and so now that we're in Jesus, those that are believers, we're in the family of God. We're children of God. Yeah. And so 
we're going to do things differently. We're supposed to do things differently. We want to do things differently. And what's that going to look like? This process requires that I recognize there's an iceberg and it's deep and it's profound and it's wrong. It's one thing to accept Jesus in your heart. It's another thing to let him transform your life. Amen. 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 So we need to realize Jesus lives in our heart, but grandpa lives in our bones. He's always there, right? And You know, we love grandpa, but he's there, and so is grandma and all those things. So one of the areas of unhealth that Kristen and I, after 26 years together, we are still working on is conflict. You know, the areas of conflict. Conflict is hard. It's hard. Isn't it? It's really true. It's real. I don't know if anybody's really conquered conflict, um, but healthy conflict is harder. So working through it. And having Christ-like conflict is so important. And we've had to learn how to do this. We have. Because growing up, we were at opposite extremes. Mm -hmm. You know, John's family, when they had conflict um, growing up, they got quiet. Right. They, they, They got quiet. They retreated. They shut down. Everybody went to their rooms. And when they came out, it wasn't talked about. Yeah. It wasn't addressed. Now, my family's the absolute opposite, where (laughs) we screamed a lot, we slammed doors, we stomped around, we said words we shouldn't have and that should have never come out of our mouth. The the thing is, is when we came together and had our first conflict, we realized real fast, whoa, we are in totally different pages here. And we had to learn how to figure this out because what would happen is we would just, one of us would shut down, walls would go up, and we would get nowhere fast. And so we knew if we wanted to have healthy conflict, we had to learn how to do it. Right. And so what we want you to know is conflict is not wrong, but the way you do conflict can be wrong. So conflict done right is a skill, though, of a healthy person. God's goal is for us to be whole. He wants us to be healthy. So healthy conflict is so valuable. So when conflict arises, and, and it will, and it will, and I mean, we know that it will. If you're in relationship with anyone, eventually there's going to be conflict. You can bank on it. It, it just will. And so it, it's one of the things we've learned is to try not to read each other's minds because we're not good at it. Have you ever found that to be true? We're not. not good at reading we're, your spouse's We're not mind. good at it. You know, one thing we've learned to have a healthy relationship and healthy conversations means that I'm never going to assume what you're thinking. Yeah. I'm never going to assume I can read your mind. I don't know what you're yeah. feeling unless we actually talk about it. Because why? <laughs> because I might be wrong. Right. I absolutely might be wrong. So I need to clarify with, a per- with another person, what are they thinking? What are they feeling? Rather than make assumptions. Because if I make assumptions, I could be telling myself a lie. I don't know. I, I don't right. know. And so if I am making an assumption about how you feel, right. this could draw a wedge between us. And the enemy mm-hmm. could get a great big foothold right here. So sure. here's a great skill that we've learned in conflict and to communicate that we, we try to apply to most of our, yeah. so most of the time we're pretty good yeah. at that, but there are times we have to go and relearn it again, is to say, you know, hey, can I have permission to read your mind? Yes. Because I think that you think this. Mm. And then that gives them the opportunity to say, no, I don't think that at all. Oh. Right. Oh, okay. Okay. Hey, can I check out an assumption with you? I, I, I want, I'm wondering if this, Yeah. and then it just clears the air and it says, Hey, okay. I, now I know exactly where you, Hey, I'm thinking this, is this correct? Right. Right? Yeah. So yeah. And that's a great Mm -hmm. point because we have used that and that's helped clear up a lot of stuff. You know, for example, so like the other night we, we were having a discussion. Yes, we were. And and you. Yes, Yes, we were. (laughs) Yes, we were. 
<laughs> You're going to bring that up. <laughs> okay. Okay. So we had a yeah. discussion yeah. and you yeah. seemed frustrated. Mm-hmm. So uh, can I check out an assumption with you? Sure. Okay. Sure. Thank you. And yeah. I think that you think yeah. that I wasn't listening mm-hmm. to you when you were speaking the other night. Do you think you were listening when you were speaking to me? <laughs> Well, <laughs> well, okay. Sure, he's out I, on that I, one. That, but that's, we're not, that's not fair. What I just did there—that's not fair. Okay, your assumption is correct. Actually, okay. I, I was frustrated. I was okay. really frustrated because I mm. didn't feel like you were listening. So then the conversation really never—I never really got out what I really wanted to say. Okay. Um, because um, you were on your phone, and yeah. and you there was no eye contact being done, and I just felt like mm. it was not important to you. Okay. So I was frustrated, yeah. and I walked away. And right. I see, you yeah. know, and I see what mm-hmm. you're saying on that. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you're saying that I, it would have been better for me to put the phone down, mm-hmm. look you in the eye when you're mm-hmm. speaking, mm-hmm. so that yeah. we know that we're on the same page. Right. Okay. Exactly. So that's very. Yeah. I see that mm-hmm. you value that. Yes. So that's important. Yes. That's great. Thank you for All letting right. me know that. Absolutely. Thank you for asking. That's good. So you know, um, so you know, <laughs> we gotta. Mm. <laughs> you know what? Why, why don't we do this? Why don't we do this? You know, if we don't do this, boy, can we sure tell ourselves some untruths. Well, that's for sure. Boy, can we sure make up some really good stories, can't we? Yep. You know, have you ever thought someone was mad at you? Well, they didn't talk to me. You know, the other day, Kayla came into the office, and I'm a morning person. So I'm like, <laughs> good morning. And Kayla, our kids' leader, she's amazing and incredible, but she's just not a morning person. And she walked in, and I thought, well, is she mad at me? Like, did I do something? And so instead of letting the enemy brew with that, I went right in, and I said, Kayla, can I check out an assumption with you? And she said, yeah. sure. I said, are you mad at me? Did, is there something here? Do we need to talk? No. Yeah. I, oh, I just got a lot on my mind. I'm sorry. You know, no, yeah. it's all good. Hey, I checked it out immediately. There was, yeah. I could have lost sleep over that. I could have had my blood pressure go up over that. I could have <laughs> talked to her and her and her about that and assume that Kayla had a beef with me. And yeah. she didn't. Yeah. Why don't we do this? So, yeah, I think it's, like you said, the making of assumptions without checking them out damages relationships and marriages. Yeah. It damages relationships in the church, in the workplace, and in our families so simply clarifying, hey, can we talk about this? Yeah. Uh, can I check this out with you? Are we good? Yeah. Or what's going on in your thinking? Uh, why, why did you do that? Do I have permission to read your mind? That's a great tool to live a pleasing life before the Lord. And this is what living emotionally healthy is all about. And it is so countercultural to the way you know, our world is and many times what was modeled for us. So as children of God, Let's have these conversations. And if I can just say this just a moment. Church, let's grow up in God and let's talk to each other. Okay? Let's not be afraid to have some healthy conversations. Okay? Because resolving conflict is so powerful if we allow it in a clear, responsible way and not in painful put-downs behind someone's back, right? Let's clear up the assumptions, and let's grow up in Christ, and let's not allow sin and what's maybe not been modeled for us to reflect how we move forward and journey through into maturity. We got another one. Thank you. So, um, 
we're looking at patterns, and and uh, and then uh, Kristen's going to talk to us about Matthew okay. chapter 18. Thanks, Ryan. Um, this is biblical. What we're talking about right now, you can find in Matthew chapter 18, and it tells exactly if you have a problem with your brother, where, what, you, what exactly what you do. If there's sin against them, if there's a conflict, what do you do? Right. You go to them. You go right to them. You don't yeah. go to anybody else. You don't go to everybody else. You go to that person yes. you have problems with, and you say, hey, um, can we talk? And right. the Bible says this, and if he listens, you have gained a friend. Right. Guys, can you imagine if friend. we made this a culture? Yes. Can you imagine if we did this? You know, we haven't been taught to do this. No. It ha- this hasn't been modeled, but this is God's way that we're to do relationship. You know, we go to our brother. We go to our sister. We go to our yeah. coworker. We go to our husband or our wife, and we, we say, hey, can I check out this assumption with you? Yeah. And is that correct? And we go to them with the sole purpose of not being right and not blaming or not putting down. We go to them with the sole purpose of saying, right. hey, I want healing here. Amen. Amen. That's right. That's hey, right. I want restoration yeah. here. I want us to come out of this. And I love you so much. I care enough for you and about our relationship so much that I'm going to willing to have right. an uncomfortable conversation to do it because this is God's way. Right. I want to bring peace to this Amen. relationship. I love yeah. you. Isn't that refreshing? Amen. Come That's on. Wh- we can't be afraid to do this. No, we can't. It's yeah. biblical and it's healthy. And I think the thing is, is many times there's avoidance. We won't mm-hmm. talk to people. Escalating tensions. Or we go to a third party and we talk to them about what they should be talking to you about. That's right. That's where it's unbiblical and it's unhealthy. So we're looking at patterns. Joseph's family and your family has patterns too, a way of doing things. And we're not talking about digging up the past in order to trash your parents. But in most cases, you know, we have to understand that our parents did the best they had their hands on to do with and and they had. But as we become aware of negative patterns, we bring Jesus into those areas and change. Amen. And this can be absolutely anything. Right. This can be anything in your family. It can be how we dealt with money, how we dealt with prejudice and other cultures, or did we right. show affection in the home? I mean, it can absolutely be applied right. to anything in our lives. Yeah, it can. And so the second practical application is we're to discern the good God intends through and in spite of your family and past. Mm-hmm. That God desires for us to discern the good. Mm-hmm. God puts you in a family mm-hmm. at a certain moment in history he knew everything that was going to go on, but he still put you there for good. That's right. He knew that everything would turn out good, mm-hmm. and he still put you there, and he has a good purpose because we see, even though Joseph's you know, background, abusive background, Joseph says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. You planned to harm me, yeah. but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, which is the saving of many lives. Yeah. You know, we can look at Joseph and his life and his family and think, wow, what a mess. Right. Well, this trauma and the, 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 um, the earthquake events should have destroyed Joseph. But you know what? This point of telling the story today is that even in all of the mess, God is at work. That's right. God Amen. is at work, and he's working in a very hidden and mysterious way through all of this mess right. in Joseph's family. God is working to move he's Joseph working. to a place in Egypt so mm. that he can bless and that. save many people. Yeah, I love he's that. at work. Yeah, his brothers are unaware. They don't, and you see verse 18, we are your slaves. They're in mm. fear. They're totally unaware of God's working. But there's another plan at 
work, and that's God's plan that it's at work, and it's for good. And uh, Joseph, he doesn't even fully 100% know what's going on, but he knows one thing, God is good. God is That's good. right. Well, he knows Jeremiah 29, 11. If you are new to the scriptures today, this is a great verse for you to commit yep. to memory. Jeremiah 29, 11. Joseph knows this. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. That's right. Amen. So he's, he's Amen. got us where he wants us. God does. And he puts you in your family so that you would discern the good in that. And he's going to bless you, yeah. he, even though you may not see it. And uh, you need to discern that. Discern that. So discern the good, that God is good. And then the final application is what we have to do is make the decision to do the hard work of discipleship, right? Yeah. And it's hard work. Discipleship is hard work. This is the hard part. That's right. We're, we're yeah. lifelong followers of Jesus. We are called to do the hard work of discipleship as hard as it is, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So that we can grow Mm-hmm. And so you see Joseph, he's faithful the whole time. He's faithful in the prison. He's faithful as a slave, and he engages with his family. When the door opens 22 years later. Wow, 22, 22 years. 22 years. Yeah, we see him. Yeah. He grieves it well. He has pain. Mm-hmm. But he does not sweep anything under the rug. Yeah. You know, this hard work of discipleship, this is where you stay determined to say, I will grow through this. Right. This, this is staying determined to say, good will come from this. Right. It's determined to stay in the refiner's fire, to say, you yep. know what, I have stuff that doesn't belong in here, but I'm willing yeah. to let the Holy Spirit Jesus. come and put me through the fire and get that stuff off of me so I can come out refined and pure. Yeah, it's this, a step-by-step. Step. Yeah, it's, and it's vulnerable. It's, it's hard to go through the fire. No one wants to go through the fire. It's scary. It's alone. Yeah. You're exposed. You're stripped yeah. down. Yeah. But I tell you what, when we face these things, these ugly and uncomfortable things in our life that yeah. we all have in us, and we welcome in the help of the Holy Spirit, I tell you yeah. what, God will lead you step-by-step step in this powerful transformation Amen. to walk right. with Him. Reminded. Be reminded, please, that all families are broken, some more than others. And it may be very painful. And you think you hear this, you may have heard this message before. You may have read this book. You may have been asked to go back and you're thinking, man, it's too painful. Can I just ask you today, would you go back and do it again? Would you go back and allow the Lord to help you journey, journey through it so that you can see and discern the good that God is doing in spite of what you've been through? You know, so that we're called to embrace God's choice to birth us into a particular family in a particular place in a particular moment in history, and it's to accomplish God's will, which is the saving of many lives. So know today, and here, I wanted to leave you this final word. Here's the great news of Christianity. Your biological family of origin does not determine your future. God does. Amen. Amen. God determines it. He's got a plan. And it's a great plan for you. So let's pray with you. Join me. Father, thank you, Lord. Thank you for your work in our spirit even now, Lord, that you are shaping us, that God, you want us healthy. Jesus. You want us whole. It's the very purpose, Jesus, of you coming to this earth, yes, for the forgiveness of our sins, but you want us to be healed. You want us to be whole. And Lord, I pray right now that we would recognize the hindrances, the 90%, the things under the surface that keep getting in the way of the healing process, Lord. We come and we ask you for forgiveness. 
Lord, that we would discern the good. We would discern the good because you're a good God. And that we would do the hard work of discipleship, Lord, today. And recognize, Lord, that we have a part to play in this. Lord Jesus, as we come, we lay ourselves out there and we say, Lord, we're being vulnerable. It hurts. But God, I know that you have healing for me and my family. And Lord Jesus, my workplace and this church, Lord, that you would bring healing to us all together. We pray this in your mighty name. And everyone said, amen.